Amen. Okay, so here we go. Uh, this morning we're going to be continuing and finishing a little mini-sermon series just on living wild. Uh, the title of today's sermon is Young, Wild, and Free. And uh, I won't say why I'm talking about being young and Tracy didn't, but you can, you can make your own assumptions, your own conclusions there. Uh, but last week Tracy talked about being Born to be wild. He used that song by Steppenwolf. Uh, we know it, of course. Uh, it, it's one of those songs that is just genre creating, right? You know, it's. Uh, I think it was the first, uh, the first song that used. Uh, what's the phrase? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for somebody. You, you guys lived in this era. I don't know. It, it's one of the. It's like uh, you know, referring to like heavy metal and connecting that to rock. That was like one of the. Uh, that's in there. I, I don't know. Uh, you guys need to help me out. Uh, but the idea, the idea is that you're not, uh, you're not caged or enslaved by your old life anymore. Or at least you don't need to be. Uh, you're free to be wild for Christ. In fact, that's now the purpose of you being reborn, is so that you can be wild for Christ. So that, that's what your purpose was. Now, you know, Born to be Wild uh, it came out in 1968, right? Steppenwolf came out with it then. Uh, just a little bit before my time, but you fast forward to the 80s. And 1981, I still wasn't born, that's okay. Let's not worry about that. In 1981, uh, the Canadian hard rock band Triumph had a song, and that song was Magic Power. And it, the, you might not know it uh, very well, you probably could be familiar with it if you heard it. Uh, the highest on the charts it ever got was number eight, but I think you'll recognize the chorus. Let's take a listen to it. Let's take a listen to it. That's not the song. <laughs> it's a hard rock song, I promise. Really? Well, I don't remember that. Okay, hey, well, now, now I'm going to have to sing it. Uh, <laughs> I'm young, I'm wild, and I'm free. I got the magic power for the music in me. And then he goes on, right? Okay. Sorry, Bob, that's my, that's my fault. Uh, magic Bob takes care of everything back there. I must have made a mistake there. Hey, there's, uh, there's some Church of Christers, you know, uh, old Church of Christers maybe turning in their grave, you know, <laughs> rocking rock and roll in church, but, uh, you know, the meaning of this song, if you're not super familiar with it, it's one of these songs that it, it just talks about how, you know, music can be your escape from reality, right? Uh, it, it, things aren't going well, but you can, you can turn to music, and that's, uh, that, that's going to help you escape from this world. One of, the, one of the verses says, the world is full of compromise and infinite red tape, but the music Got the magic. It's your one chance for escape. I'm, I'm wild, right? I'm young, I'm wild, I'm free. And, you know, people use a lot of different things in this world uh, to, to escape. Try to feel more young, more wild, more free. Uh, but funny enough, the magic power that is in us as Christians actually can allow us to be more young, wild, and free. Uh, if you're a baptized disciple of Christ, you have God's Holy Spirit working in you and that can give you the power to be young, wild, and free for God. Uh, let me tell you what I mean. Let's start off by talking about being young for God. Uh, you can begin turning over to 2 Chronicles chapter 34. 
Now, when I'm talking about being young for God, I'm, I'm not talking about age, right? If so, uh, some of us would, would not be able to be included in there, right? Uh, but if God is outside of our constructs of time, which he is, he's not bound by our understanding of time, then I don't really think that he gets too caught up on how old you are before he begins to start just deciding to use you for his purpose, for his will, right? Uh, on the other, so, so for example, right? Uh, well, I, I was going to have brother so-and-so be an usher, but it's a hard job and he's only 18, so maybe I'll find somebody else, right? If God thought like that, that would be ludicrous. That'd be crazy, right? On the other side of things, uh, congratulations, sister. You're 65. That means you can retire from serving God's kingdom. <laughs> Sit back, relax, enjoy these next couple decades because it's going to be smooth sailing, right? <laughs> you know, God, doesn't, God doesn't care about how old we are. He cares about our heart to be able to serve him. Whether we're super young or super old, God has used all sorts of people to accomplish his will. Uh, age doesn't really matter. Let's look at a couple examples, though, because I, I just think that this is kind of encouraging. Second uh, Chronicles 34, verse 1. Uh, you guys remember Josiah, right? Uh, starting in verse 1, it says, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. Now, the, the story of Josiah is a great one. Uh, we won't go all through it now, but... Really, Josiah was like the last good thing that happened to the Israelites before their kingdom was destroyed. Uh, Josiah becomes this king. He's only eight years old, and he takes an interest in really restoring the kingdom of God or restoring uh, the people of God to follow uh, the Lord. By the time he's 25, he's rebuilding the temple, which had deteriorated. Uh, as the workers are cleaning things up, you know, fixing things up, they find the word of the Lord. He reads it, he's cut to the heart, and as a young man, he then uh, really calls the rest of the people of God to, to, to turn back to God, to return to him. It didn't matter that he was eight when he became king, or 25 when he was rebuilding the temple, but because he had decided to not turn from the law to the right or to the left, he really was able to impact the rest of the people around him. Uh, turn over to Genesis 25, right? Because uh, Josiah's youth, that's not the thing that made him special. Uh, the important thing was that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He didn't turn from his laws. On the other side of things, Genesis 21, this is a verse that makes me laugh, uh, and I think for, for obvious reasons. Genesis 21, 5, Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. <laughs> there you go. Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Abraham and Sarah should not have been able to have children at 190 years old, and yet because of their faith and their patience, their reliance on God, God really uses them in their old age to bring about his promise, his covenant to the rest of people for all time, right? It starts with Abraham, becomes the father of nations. You know, youth is not something that we can rely on. Uh, it's going to pass away. 
uh, there's a great verse in Isaiah that talks about that. Go over there. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 30. And this is true. Uh, this is a very true verse here, starting in verse 30. It says, Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. What is, it th what is the thing that keeps us focused on God, allows us to, to be young for God, to be fired up for Him, to continue focusing on Him? It's, it's really being able to hope in the Lord and not in our own strength, in our own power. And if we do that, then we'll be able to soar and run and walk and not be faint will be able to continue on in this journey. Uh, you don't have to go here, but uh, in 1 Timothy, right, in chapter 4, it talks about this instruction that's being given from Paul to Timothy, a young man in the faith. And he says, uh, command and teach these things. Don't let anybody look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in faith, in life, and in purity. Uh, I'm just so blown away by the fact that it doesn't matter how old you are, right? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. And uh, this is kind of interesting, but have you ever met an older person who th their maturity level has been, uh, you know, crystallized at a younger age? <laughs> and, and it's just, you're like, well, they're, they're like, a, you know, this is a full-grown man. He should be making some good decisions, and yet he's, he's making decisions as a much younger, immature man, yeah. right? The age doesn't matter, uh, but it is the, the decisions that, uh, that, that brought about his character and his integrity. Uh, so th there's something that kind of bothers me. It doesn't bother me all the time, uh, but every once in a while, I'll hear somebody say, the youth are the future of the church. Does this kind of bug you? <laughs> Let, let's talk about why it bugs me. Okay, the youth are the future of the church. Now, in some senses... Very true, right? Because uh, the older members of the church, they will pass away, and then we, because we've passed it on to the younger generation, they will now lead and guide and grow the church, right? But I, th I feel like what is forgotten sometimes in that sentiment is to say that the youth aren't the church right now, because today they are part of the church. And so uh, if you're if you're a 14-year-old high school student who has made the decision to be a disciple. And I think about myself, uh, I was 14, before I was going into high school, I made this, this decision, I'm going to be a disciple. And what that meant for me as a 14-year-old is that from now on, I go to men's midweek, because I'm a man who's a member of the church, and I'm going to be there, right? And so, and every once in a while, I'd have you, don't you have homework, or, uh, you know, and people would ask me things like, why am I there? And I'm like, I'm a man, I made Jesus Lord, and I'm here, right? <laughs> and, and now... I feel like, amen, God, and I, I'm not just trying to like lift myself up as the example, but I'm saying like we can make decisions at a young age that carry on, and sometimes we don't put the kind of weight on our youth in the church to say, you can do this. Right. Guys, you can, and if you're a middle schooler or a high schooler, you, you, you can know what you need to know to make lasting decisions. 
I, I, I look to people like Dylan, and uh, Dylan, I'm so encouraged by you, because last night, if you guys were here, you know, uh, uh, Dylan was up here, and he played acoustic guitar, and he, he carried a lot of the songs. <laughs> you know, he, he made it work, and, and it, it gives people like Tracy the ability to say, you know what, I'm going to... I can sit down. <laughs> like, Dylan's got this. Uh, Peter's got this. Uh, it, it's going to be taken care of. And, and I think that we need to be able to give more and more of our youth opportunities to lead and do things like that. I remember, I remember giving, uh, uh, giving a contribution speech as a 12-year-old, and I didn't make any money, <laughs> right? And so... <laughs> I, 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 think, I, think back at the like back, I think back to that time, and, and I'm like, why would Tom Wilson give me this opportunity? You know, uh, like, this is ridiculous. But, uh, but I, I, I shared, uh, you know, from my heart, and, and I, I did my best. And, and we, can give our, we can give our students and our young people in the church those opportunities because they will then take that and use it and then grow into to be the leaders that they really need to be in the future. Uh, but guys, we need to be able to embrace that no matter where you are in your walk, whether you're, you know, 12 or 13 or 14, or you're 60, 70, 80, 90, we all can be used and should be used. We can't just check out, right? Uh, we can't say, well, I'm too old or I'm too young. No, no, God has given you a specific job in the body of Christ. Engage in your job, engage in your position in life. Uh, a great example, uh, go, go to Joshua 14. I feel a little bit biased about this verse because it's a book with my name, and I'm going to talk about a character, which is the name of my son, but amen. Uh, Joshua 14, there's reasons why those things are the way they are. Verse 10, I love this verse, and I hope that you can grab on to the heart of what's going on here. Verse 10 says, Now then, just as the Lord promised, this is Caleb, He has kept me alive for 45 years since the time He said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old! I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now, Give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Guys, you got to love the heart of Caleb here. An old man, an older man, right? We might call him mature, right? And, and he, has, he has embraced that, look, I, I decided that I was going to be in this battle a long time ago. But I'm still as vigorous now. This is a guy that understood that this youth, this vigor, this strength, it, it wasn't dependent on his age. He could be excited and he could be an inspiration to the rest of the people, uh, the rest of the Israelites there. And not only was he just saying, oh yeah, I'm going to still be in the battle. But he says, give me the hill country. Give me the most difficult land to go into. Give me the challenges. Because he knows that that wealth of experience is something that he can rely on to also now lead the way for God's people. Uh, one last verse, and then we'll move into talking about being wild. Uh, but go to Matthew 18, right? Teaching of Jesus. Here in Matthew 18, he's also talking about, I feel like, this heart uh, to be young for, for God and for the kingdom. Verse 1 in Matthew 18 says, 
At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? <laughs> this is funny. Uh, I wonder why Jesus didn't just slap around his disciples a little bit more, right? Uh, he's like, you guys! All right, verse 2. He called a little child to them and placed a child among them. He said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position this uh, 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 lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Uh, why would Jesus say this? Why would Jesus teach this? You know, when we, are, when we make the decision to be young for God, to have that vigor, we don't care where we are in our life situation because we're going to have the heart of a child. And the heart of a child says, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. I, I, I'll do whatever is needed, right? Uh, whoever takes this lowly position. Uh, you don't say, well, yeah, because I've been in the kingdom of God for 40 years, I deserve these certain things. <laughs> like, I have deserved now to take a seat and let other people do the work, to let other people take the helm. No, uh, do we have the heart of Caleb that says, look, I've been in it for 40 years, and so I'm more excited. I have that much more momentum built up for me to go forward, for me to make this decision. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Tracy started to talk about, hey, you know, there are needs all over the world, and we were talking about Europe, and this month we've been praying about Europe. There are these churches, and if you've read, you know, uh, those, those, uh, those emails that have come out, there are some, it's like, pray for Luxembourg. We don't have a church there, you know, and uh, the, the reason that we're praying about these churches, or the, these countries, is that we want there to be a church there, you know, and, and we're going to need that uh, the breadth. We're, we're going to need the young, excited, uh, you know, 18-year-old to go, but we're also going to need, you know, established, uh, you know, in your career type of people who are going to just need, okay, uh, you know, I'm an empty nester and I'm going to go. I'm going to go because I am just as vigorous now as I was then. Right. And we have to be able to make those decisions. Uh, I think one of the greatest assets of children is they have this ability to be flexible right? Uh, they, they absorb knowledge. They ask a lot of questions. And, and we have to still have that heart, still have that desire, and not just say, well, yeah, I've been around long enough. I know what I need to know, and so I'll let everybody else take care of it. With the Holy Spirit in us, we can do this. You know, we don't have to rely on our own strength, but we can be young for Christ. Let's, uh, let's go and talk about being wild now. Turn over to Mark. Uh, and, you know, uh, Tracy talked about this uh, more in depth last week, so I'm just going to kind of uh, skim over it a little bit. I want to focus in on being wild as being bold, okay? And, and I want to use an example here from Mark about John the Baptist, because when I think about a man who was a wild man, I think about John the Baptist, and so we're going to talk about him. When you're surviving in the wilderness, you start to become like the wilderness, <laughs> Right? You begin to smell a little bit more like your surroundings. You know, you, uh, I, I, saw this, um, I saw this YouTube video uh, a little while back, and it was maybe a half-hour video, kind of one of these time-lapse things, and there's just this single man, like shirtless, you know, uh, muscular guy, beard, and, and it just, he's in a forest, and then it shows him in this time-lapse, just take the things around him and build a house. <laughs> Right? And he just uses what's around him. And he's in the dirt, and he uses a rock as an axe, and then he uses another rock to sharpen that rock, and uh, then he makes a stove, and then he uses mud to make pots. 
in his stove, in his kiln, and he just uses the things around him, right? And that, that's the kind of guy that I imagine John the Baptist sort of was, right? Uh, let, let's read about him. Let's read about him. <clears throat> uh, verse 4. Uh, it says, and so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Wow, first chapter. Uh, verse 5. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes one more powerful than I, and straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with the water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Well, this is a wild guy. He's out there. He's eating bugs, sweetening it up with a little bit of honey, right? Uh, and when I say be wild for Christ, I'm not saying... You know, next time we have cicada season, go out and uh, get your fill. Uh, I think a good experience, but, you know, uh, don't do that. Um, but, uh, you know, I imagine John the Baptist, uh, if it weren't for these, for these Jewish, uh, for the Jewish laws to, like, stay away from dead carcasses, I feel like he probably would have just, you know, ripped that camel's hair right off a carcass and put it around himself. You know, he's just got that kind of guy I'm imagining. But he was wild. And it wasn't just the fact that he was eating bugs and wearing camel's hair, though, that made him wild. It was his message. His message was the thing that made him wild. Sure, yeah, he was in the wilderness, and he was a little bit of a wild man on his appearance. But his heart and his mind and his thoughts were also, I'm going to be wild and be bold for God. Uh, go over to John chapter 3. I want to talk about some of the things that John the Baptist said. Because this guy was not just wild in appearance but wild in the things that he said. John 3, verse 7. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers! Wow, yikes. Okay, John. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Whoa, locust guy! <laughs> oh, man! What are you saying here? He just, he took these crowds, and, and he told them exactly how it was. Right? He said, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. He's saying, uh, if you continue your life in the way that you're, that, that you're going, in the, in the trajectory that you're going, then this, this is not going to turn out well for you. I, I ask the question, you know, are, are we willing to say the things that in this day and age might come across as politically incorrect? Are we just afraid to say those things uh, because we're really, really concerned with what people think about us and, and the, the damage that we might potentially do to a relationship? Or do we care more about being able to communicate to people the truth of God and then be able to, you know, do it gently, but to, to really communicate to them the truth of God? Look, there's only one way. And that one way is through Jesus. And, and actually, okay, let, let's take a look at this doctrine. It's not just, yeah, I believe in Jesus. There's a little bit more to this. Are we firm on those things, and are we willing to say it even when it's not going to be well-received? You know, when we, do, uh, when we do take firm stands, 
I, I think people will listen to that, and they'll want to know more in the same way that they did here with John. Uh, let's keep on reading. Verse 10. You know, he basically says, look, if you don't produce good fruit, you're going to be cut down, thrown into the fire. Yikes. Okay, well, what happens next? Verse 10. What should we do then? The crowd asked. John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none, and anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you're required to, he told them. And then some soldiers asked, what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. And we don't have time to go into the context of each of these uh, types of people and their life situations and the things that would be common struggles for them. But John identifies for these people what would have really been a difficult thing to repent of, and he challenges them to do that. I, I think we, too, have to decide that, you know what? I'm going to throw caution to the wind sometimes. Be a little bit wild with the things that I say. Be a little bit bold with the things that I say. Are you really, are you bold with the message? Do you say things that might be perceived as a little bit crazy? You know, I, I think it's okay when we do that. It puts us out of our comfort zone, and it allows the Spirit of God to work, right? Uh, uh, the, I've already told this story to the campus, but I'll tell it again because the rest of the church hasn't heard it. Uh, this week, Derek and I were out, and we were sharing our faith. Yeah. We were sharing uh, the, the, just the message. We were inviting people to come to our Bible talk discussion on campus, and we were confronted by, well, we, we came and we talked to people, and uh, basically the, the conversation uh, started off by them saying, we are not religious at all, we are not interested in this at, at all, we don't want to talk about it. And I just said, why? <laughs> and that then springboarded us into a 40-minute long conversation leading up to Bible talk. And they kept on saying, you know, uh, we, they would ask a question, and then we would give an answer, and they would say, oh, uh, just, just one more question. And then they would ask another question, we'd give an answer. Uh, okay, just one more question. And it just kept on going and going and going and going. And, and, and you know, really, I, in that conversation, I was realizing, I'm like, you know, I, I'm just going to tell them exactly the way it is. And, and she started, uh, one of these uh, people that we were talking to, she started off by saying, I am uh, the most unreligious person that you're ever going to meet. And I said, wow, okay. Uh, you know, and she's like, I, I've not read a single sentence of the Bible. And she was wearing it like a, this badge of honor. And then, so uh, we were, you know, in, in a logical uh, kind of debate of sorts. And uh, I was trying to keep things as spiritual as possible. Uh, but in, in a gentle way, I then just told her at one point in the conversation, I'm like, now, I, I've got to have you just see this as it is. You told me at the beginning of this conversation that you know, that you've never read a single word of the Bible, but you're in this position where you're really arguing strongly against who God is, but you don't really have any concept of what God is, because the only, like, the only thing that you've ever learned about who God is is from other people, and just from what you've gathered and assumed. You're in a very poor position, logically, in this argument. How's that going to go? And, you know, and I was gentle about it, but I basically was like, you have no grounds to argue against the character of God because you've never read about the character of God. 
How could you possibly defend this position? She didn't really have a lot to say to that, you know? And well, one more question. <laughs> well, one more question, one more question. And uh, at, the, at the end of the conversation, you know, Derek and I, hey, we're kind of late for our Bible uh, discussion. We got to go. Uh, and like, okay, yeah, go enjoy the discussion, whatever. Um, and I don't know, maybe we'll have another conversation with them at some point in the future. Maybe they'll show up. I don't know. But we've got to be willing to be bold. We've got to be willing to be a little bit wild. We've got, got to be willing to just say things as they are when we see, uh, we, when we see it in, uh, in unbelievers and when we see it in our own fellowship, right? If you've got people uh, that they, they know they're, they're living in some kind of sin uh, that needs to be addressed, don't be afraid to point that out and call them uh, call them out on, on their life. Be a little bit wild. Be willing uh, to go there. Uh, let's talk about being free. Uh, go ahead and turn over to Galatians 5. We'll start there, uh, and we'll kind of close out here in a couple of minutes. Uh, talking about being free for Christ. Uh, now, our minds are a very powerful thing. Uh, when, when our thoughts are constantly negative, and we're stuck in this cycle of, I can't do it. I've never been able to do it. I won't be able to do it. I'm not good enough. We will begin to believe those things, and our actions will begin to reflect those beliefs in our mind. So what we need to try and do is have a different mindset so that our actions can reflect this new mindset. That's why Romans says you know, uh, that we should transform and renew our mind, right? We need that, and we constantly need to be transforming, renewing our mind. This kind of goes back to being young. Right? Uh, don't let your heart get really hard. Uh, let, your, let your mind be flexible so that you can continue to grow and learn. But when we're trying to be free, like we've got we've to recognize, man, I've, I've got a lot of habits, a lot of thoughts, a lot of mindsets that I need to be continually retraining. Right? Or else we just get stuck. Uh, when uh, in high school, I, I wrestled, and one of the things that my, my coaches would tell me all the time is, okay, visualize, visualize what move you're going to do, right? And, and we would, at the end of uh, practices, when you're dead tired, uh, he's like, now's the time when you're dead tired and you don't want to be here anymore, that you got to think about what you're going to do next. And so we would, you know, you, 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 shadow, you shadow wrestle, and, and, and you're just, you're thinking about the move that you're going to do, and you're like, okay, well, I'm going to hit this move, and then this move, and then this move, and if that doesn't work, then I'm going to try this, and if that doesn't work, I'm going to try this. And because you thought all those things through, then when you're actually in that situation, then you know what to do, because you've, you've, you've trained your mind. When you visualize yourself in the batting box, swinging the correct way, and having your weight in the right place. You, you guys know what I'm saying? It, then, then you perform based on you've thought these things through as the way they should go. Okay, Galatians 5. What should we be thinking about? How can we have a mindset that is free? Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. We could just break this one verse down and think about this, but it, can you imagine what our lives could be like and how free we could feel and act if we just took this verse and cemented it into our mind? Christ wants me to be free. He wants me to be free from my sin. He wants me to be free from the guilt of that sin. 
but in such a way that it leads me to act on that freedom, to act as a free person. Don't be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. If you're free from slavery, don't let that burden you. Be free. A lot of us know who uh, Harriet Tubman was, right? Uh, she uh, was a fugitive slave uh, in the 1800s, right? And she, she worked as a conductor for the Underground Railroad, right? And, and she uh, had different diaries and things, uh, different quotes. And uh, one, of the, one of the quotes that she has, which I want to read now, is, is incredibly powerful. And the implications of it are incredibly powerful. She said, uh, or was quoted to have said, I freed a thousand slaves. I could have freed a thousand more if only they knew they were slaves. Can you think about that? I say, <laughs> she's like, I, 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 I freed a thousand slaves. I could have freed even more if they knew that they were slaves. Think about that for your own spiritual life. You know, I mean, we sometimes forget about what, where we were, you know, where we used to live. And that, that's, that's kind of what Harriet Tubman was probably thinking. She's like, I've got to get as many people out of this as I can. And because she knew how good it was on the other side, it caused her to act. And she went back and forth and back and forth. Can you imagine? And if she gets caught, what's going to Oh, man. You just start to think about some of the implications of what would happen. But the reason why she wasn't able to be even more effective was not for lack of trying, but it was because the people that she was going to, they have this mindset that has never experienced anything but slavery. And so they can't even imagine what's on the other side. And Derek, in my conversation, we were talking about the character of God and how good it was to submit ourselves to his will. But they've never seen the other side. They've never found it out for themselves. They have no concept of what it was like. And so it becomes incredibly hard to reach them. But we've got to be wild. We've got to be free. We've got to have this continued young vigor where we go after that so we can really communicate. We can really communicate uh, just the heart of God to people that really need it. Uh, it's difficult when you're born into this slavery. It, sometimes it's the only world that you know and you can't even begin to imagine what life is like on the other side. Uh, we're really strangers on the other side. We don't, know, uh, we don't know how to act, what to do next. And so I want to close out here with one last verse in 1 Peter 2. As you're going there, I'm going to read one more quote from Tubman just because it's good. But as you're going, uh, she said, I had crossed the line, I was free, but there was no one to welcome me to the land of freedom. I was a stranger in a strange land. And that, that's, that's how we feel a little bit once we get to the other side. Hey, I'm free, but I don't know how to live as a free person because I've never been free before, right? And we, we forget, uh, we're, we're burdened. Let's read 1 Peter 2 and we'll close out here. Verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of wrongdoing, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether the emperor has a supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, 
you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Verse 16, this is the thought we'll leave you with. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves, show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, honor the emperor. Uh, guys, uh, we've got to be able to have this mindset where you're going to be young, wild, and free for God. Uh, I encourage you to do that this week, to continue conversations about how you can do it, uh, and, and really to give everything over to God. Amen.